Sophia Brief basketball. We went to my grandbaby's first recital. Right? And on the piano, on the baseball. So he's playing on the piano. And she's into it, man. And I don't know what I was thinking about. Yeah. Uh, so now she likes that shy. She likes that thing to do. And, and I, was, I was thinking about how oftentimes we'd be like, we do church, we always get our kids up here. Because they're doing some of that. And uh, get them the confidence of getting in front of people, right? So that's one of the back of the she, she plays, but then, then I didn't know what to tell you. I thought I was going for her, but then Anthony Anthony played. And he's playing, he's, he's studying classical music, like, Crazy stuff. Amazing. What you should do is just get classes to go to a lot like me. And you start going on. And you guys are tight, so it's a new generation. But uh, yeah, I, was, uh, I was blessed to do that. Amen. Yeah, do you have Luke chapter 3? Praise the Lord. Verse 1. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate governor of Judea, Herod, Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, Tetrarch of Eteria and Tecumitus, and Lysanias, Tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas. The word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the desert. He went into all the country around Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sins. And it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight, and the rough way is smooth. And all mankind will see God's salvation. Lord, we thank you and ask that you take these next few minutes to minister to our lives. As we come into this time of the year where we get to share Jesus, the Son of God. Bless your people, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, like I said, I'm going to start uh, uh, talking about Christmas all the month of Thursday, uh, December. Amen. I normally would like wait till like, on the Christmas day, but you really can't ever like you know, it's one message. Because you know, when we look at Christmas time, you know, it's, it's this time we say it's a time of giving, right? A time of giving. And really, when you think about it on that day, God gave us several uh, things that first Christmas night. Uh, before we look at that, I want to set it because this whole time, you know, we end up on Christmas day, but a lot of things were happening. Everything was set up. The whole background. Christmas, the way God does things, is amazing to me, right? So if you think about it, it would be difficult to get such a ruthless and terrible people in power at the same time, in the same place. I mean, it would really take uh, a miracle, uh, an act of God, if you will. All things could be God, good and bad, amen? So you have this ensemble of more deplorable and disreputable men that are living during this time of Luke. Tiberius, he mentioned it, Pilate and Herod. They were notorious and they're known for being cruel men. Their treacheries and, and their callous regard for others, all they cared about was power and money. These three, these terrible men, ruled. 
and heresy despised and mistrusted by his own political cronies, and they often resorted, he did, resorted to native reasons to put him under trial so that he could either lock him up or kill him. So here he is, Tiberius, the emperor. He is the stepson of Augustus Caesar, Caesar Augustus. No one liked him at all, nor respected him, but he was a favorite friend of him. Pilate, he was renowned for cheating the Romans, right? He would cheat his Roman bosses and abuse all the Jews of that day. He was the king, the, the puppet king, if you will, for the Roman Empire. He rose from obscurity. He was no a little middle man, man at Roman. He rose from obscurity to become governor of Judea, the black governor of Colorado, Pilate. From the moment he began to rule, Pilate seemed to have a gift for insulting and antagonizing Jewish people. He was both despised and feared. They had to then have Herod. We all even did a drama about Herod, right? Herod was a pervert. Maniaco. Right? He was insanely paranoid and in fact ordered three of his sons and one of his wives executed because he thought they were trying to take his throne. Talk about divorce. He was an unbalanced man, a dangerous ruler. He was given the title, just mocking the Jews, as King of the Jews by the, the, the Roman authorities. Herod's personal paranoia led him to begin murdering all those people that were around him. If he thought you were disloyal, he would kill you. The religious leader, now you have those three, now you have the religious four. You would think, well, let's go to church for help. Well, it was worse there. They were, they were much better. He had Annas, the high priest, he was a flunky of the Roman authorities. He sold out his morality just so he could be in that position. Right? There he is. He cared little about preserving the integrity of the church. All he wanted was power. So in politics, religion, and economics, almost everyone could easily agree that when Jesus came, it was the worst of times. The whole it was the worst. In fact, we know that when Jesus was born, the world was demon possessed. For the Jews, it would seem no hope. Imagine being born at that time. You think you got be born at that time. No prophet of God had been on the scene for over 300 years. God stopped speaking. No word of God, no hope, surrounded by demon-possessed people. Like the stories go on. You see people coming out. Uh, we are, remember Legion. We are Legion, for, for we are many. When, when Jesus rebuked him out of, out of the man there, right? Time and time again, this is what was facing without God. Think about that. In the midst of these tyrants and dim spirits, God sent his most miraculous and unexpected gift, Jesus. See, sometimes when, when, when you look around, you don't understand. When, when it looks bleak and terrible in your situation, give good cheer. Because if you're a child of God, is any child of God here? That means God is getting ready to come into your life and do something special. He's not going to leave you at that state. That would be uh, inhumane. That would be cruel. And God is not cruel. He uses every situation to prove you, to mature you, 
can make you better. So Christmas is not only a time of, of remembering what gifts we should give, it's a time of remembering the gifts God gave. So we live in good times now, right? Not like the days of Jesus, but I mean, you can get our souls. We live in good times. Donald Trump was elected. I don't like talking politics. I don't like politics. I don't talk politics. I'm part of the What's my rule? Politics is unfit for the poor. We don't talk about it. Don't enjoy it. Right? See, the good, let me say it like this the good can be bad. Can I say that again? The good can be bad. See, economists, Christopher Room has discovered a dark side of a booming economy. Because we want a booming economy, right? We want it great. And he's also seen a, a, a silver lining to bad times. Check this out. When, when everything's going good, when the economy's up, American health deteriorates. Can I say that again? When things are good, people get unhealthy. Again, you know, when things are going good, I got a big check, I'm doing good, we're prospering. That is the time when most people get unhealthy. It's an amazing thing. So, when good, sometimes leads the bad. Rune claims that we feel bad when times are good and feel good when the economy is bad. Isn't it amazing? And this is not just that he's saying that they've done research to prove that. He found, for example, the death rate drops in the United States when the unemployment rate goes up. So when unemployment goes up, less people die. Amazing thing. <laughs> Particularly younger people. He also found that as people went back to work, are you with me? There was an increase in homicides. When there was more jobs and more money to be made, there was an increase in traffic deaths. In fact, when the economy rises, there was an increase of accidents of all types. Deaths from heart disease, the flu, and pneumonia also rise. I'm not bummer. I'm not bummering on good times. Because it comes to turn around. What I'm saying, you got to be careful. Right? One reason is Americans... We're talking about Americans tend to indulge more when the economy soars. Doesn't it stand to you? Can you figure that one out? They indulge more. It used to be that the United States was the most obese country in the world. Did you know that? We could probably just look around and figure that one out. But we lost that title. You know that title now? Mexico. All those beans and tortillas are finally caught up to them. Why? Because then, you know, people say, oh, you know, they come across the border poor. They're not poor. They come across the border because they want to make money. Yeah. Right? And so they take all the money and they're prospering. They go back what? And they gain weight. They're the most abused country in the world. Give me a second. So people tend to indulge more. They eat more and they drink more booze. So if you see that, you can see why there's more deaths, there's more homicides, there's more wrecks, there's more all these things. Why? Because people of America tend to indulge. So while there's no mystery that overindulgence of food and drink were, so can, here we go, we'll come back to this, so can excessive decorating, shopping, 
holiday activity. So we need to stand with the psalms of peace. He says this in Psalm 25, 4. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your path. Lead me to your children and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. So we have to begin to refocus and put our eyes on what we're about here. Why are we here for Christmas? Are we simply here? Now, again, let me back up. I'm not saying don't buy gifts and don't decorate. That's okay. But don't let that become your obsession. Did you see the other day on TV? Two, two people were fighting, going shopping, and, and they were even fighting over so they were fighting over a parking lot. I mean, they were getting down. But two girls, now I go, check them out. Why? Because they want to get into the blue light special. I guess, I don't know, they were throwing blows. Right? And that increases. Black Friday is of the devil. You ever you see people? They should outlaw that. They be fighting over it, they be going at it. Like, wow, man. You don't gotta do that, just go online shopping. I mean, let, let it come to you, don't kill nobody. But it gets worse and worse and worse and worse, right? See, God gave gifts. And on that first night, He didn't, He, he, he gave us the gift of Jesus. And so we have to understand what is this season about? God began the custom of giving. It's ironic, too. We're supposed to be giving up to the Lord, but who do we give? We give to each other, we forget about why we're doing what we're doing. James was every good thing, every gift given, and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of life, for whom there's no variation or shifting shadow. God began the customer period. He presents Jesus, the light of the world. He brought Jesus into the darkest time of humanity. So think about that. How can we be like that? What do we, how do we bring who we are into a situation? Do we add to the darkness by complaining how terrible it is, or do we bring at least the hope of Christ into every situation. So that's what the Christmas season is about. So we do have the answer. We, we should be the light. Amen? So when we turn on those Christmas lights, I hope we, should, we think about us being the light of the world. Right? Don't worry about Colorado's vegetables. Amen? Turn on the light. Your light. Let your light shine this Christmas. And then turn on the Christmas lights. Amen? So our Christmas decoration of lights, whether it be electric bulbs or a tree or candles or now we're, you know, high-tech LEDs, should remind us of the gift of the Creator, the light of the world. The incarnation of God in a baby. Then you have Mary and Joseph. Now, Mary and Joseph took me out. I did some study on Islam. And you know, in the Quran, the only woman, they don't mention no woman but one, Mary. Huh? They talk about Mary, and they actually talk about how Miriam gave birth to Jesus, and they also claim that Jesus, out of dirt, formed into a dove and blew life into it. And then it also says that only God can give life. And it also says that if you want to know about God, ask Christians. The Quran says that. Don't tell a, a, a Muslim, they might stop you. They don't like that part. And then you get up the hell here. See, their present on little Mary and Joseph was their present was obedience. Obedience. Do we give obedience this Christmas? He recited, said, although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. 
See, these shepherds were the first one where the angel ushered in and spoke of Jesus as Savior. The first people to see Jesus were simple, smelly, uneducated, hard-working men. Think about it. Shepherds. They weren't doctors and lawyers. They weren't professors and teachers. They were simple shepherds. And listen, a good shepherd always smells like their sheep. And if you've ever been around sheep, let me tell you what, they speak. That's what I came to these people. Um, hard-working men who were not preoccupied with temporal things, they were taking care of sheep. Unlike the Magi, who came with regal gifts, the shepherd had nothing. They were in the field. These simple men of the field went to Bethlehem with nothing but one thing, awe and wonder. They wanted to know more about this story, this man, this baby being born. Their hands were empty, but their hearts were full of love. They wanted to see. See, sometimes we have to come to God. And I think some people get so, and I'm going to say, hey, we get so used to it. We get numb to what God has really done in our lives. When we come to church, we come to church, and it's like, oh, home, it's another dead church, I'm saved. You're saved? You're saved. We're saved. Hallelujah. And we move on in life, and I'm not knocking it, but however, we can't lose that, lose that awe of what God has done and what God can do and what God wants to continue to do. So I'm amazed. God, the creator of heaven and earth, for some reason beyond my comprehension, decided to come into my neighborhood and touch me. That blows me away every time I think about it. Because I know where I live, I know where I'm from, and God had no business there, as far as I was concerned. I'm in awe. Now, and he didn't stop there. He didn't just reach me. He taught me. He raised me up, and he set me up. That still blows me away. You know, I've got, are you sure that is the right thing? Are you, are you sure you didn't make a mistake? I'm, I'm blown away by it. The gift of all wonder of who God is and what He can do, the possibilities. See, I, don't, I don't understand God completely. I don't. I don't understand the possibilities completely. But I do know one thing if I step out, something's going to happen. That's all I know. Because every time I've stepped out, something happened. When we first started going to Philippines, the church was almost getting ready to shut down. They were dying. The pastor was living in a, living in a shack with no running water. Eating, barely eating. He was hurting. So when I came there, I looked at him, wait a minute, these are my friends. These are my people. This is Victor Outreach. I, I didn't have much. I was barely out of the hospital myself. almost died. 40 days in the hospital. I said, well, I'm alive now. You must have kept me alive for some reason. So we're going to do something. Right? And because of that, God is moving. And so the same thing, I want to go somewhere else. Why? Because when we step out of faith, something happens. That blows me away. All we have to do is take one step and let God do something. I'm telling you, you talk about you get addicted to something, you get addicted to that. You see God moving, you go, I want more of that. I went to Africa when, when Jose, when we went to Africa the first time, there was nobody in Africa. We went to Cape Town. It was nothing but a dream. My pastor had a dream about going to Africa, and he dies. Oh, man, he must have been mistaken. No, the dream was passed on. Me and Jose, and Jose go around. We go to Africa. 
Mexico, we, we dropped Jose down his wheel off, we dropped Barry off, and we said, okay, we will stay here, Lord, we'll be back. And I said, back twice a year. Yeah. And then within within three years, you had 700 Africans coming to the church, and we didn't know what to do with them. How did this happen? What are we going to do? We don't know how we did it. We just showed up. In fact, we didn't do anything. We just showed up. We rented a house. Over in this room, there was 30 men in there. I go back six months later, and I said, Jose, I go, Jose, what you find those men? He goes, oh, they found me. And I said, come in. Come in. Come in. So we opened up another house. We filled that one up. 30 more. Come in. And come in. And come in. Then we got the mega home. We had 100 men in the home. How? We just... She gave up an alabaster job. Huh? Despite her standing in life, she was considered the lowest possible human. She was able, like the wise man, to give a gift of excellence. So I pray that this person we learn to be people of excellence. Don't just do things at the at, at, at halfway. Go beyond. The Bible talks about going the extra mile. If you're going to do something good, well, do it above well. Do it not, not in competition with other people. No, 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 that's a wrong motive. Do it well because you want to do it for the Lord. We're not, we're not competing with other people when we do something for God. If you do that, God has to deal with that in that heart. That's a bad heart. But when you do it excellence, you do, I'm going to do it just beyond what anybody expects. Why? Because I'm not doing it for a mere man. I am doing it for God. Excellence. We have to be people of 
sinners. Amen? He also gave the, the gift of, uh, of the baby Jesus. This way to describe that when you see a baby. Something about a baby that brings joy to everybody. You ever notice that? If you bring a baby in, and all of you go, oh, look at you. You would talk stupid. You know, you would never talk like that, but when you see a baby, it just brings all the little something out of you, right? Right? Yeah, that, that, that thing. Joy. Babies bring joy. You know, when I, we, we'll be driving, and I'll think about my grandbaby, and I, I just think joy from the thought. I don't think. Oh, my, I got a little baby. Oh, no, I think, like, praise the Lord. Wait, when you have a baby, ladies, men, men, I don't know. Let me Men, when men are young, I was good to this. Maybe you're, if you're not good to this point, that, that, that's great. But when I was young, I didn't appreciate the joy that babies brought. Because you get caught up in this thing, like, well, i got to go hard and bring home the bacon, and i got to do this, and I'm a man, and my wife will take care of the children. And then you go out there, and you do your thing, you come home, right? Oh, what about, oh, hard, girl, I'm bringing home the bacon. Really, guys, your, your wife doesn't want the bacon, they want you, right? Anyway, so you get caught up in the wrong things. And then life goes by, and also your kids are going up and down. They are. So I learned with my grandbaby... I, she told me so much I missed. And I was saying, I go, I, I did. How come that I was telling the joy of my children? It was nobody's fault but mine. Now, I did my part, you know, because we, we, we do our, our part. But the little things that you don't even think too about, when we make a big hoop that we we all do this. We're going to make a little bit of a provide. Because if I don't provide, I'm worse, worse than it is to tell. Right? And we got we a good reason why we don't pay attention to the joys of our life. Babies bring joy. So don't just give them a gift. That would be fine. But I, you know what? They want something that's more valuable than any gift. They want your time. They want your time. I don't know how much time though. Krista says, Grandpa, spend time with me. Wow. I go, where did she get that? She goes, spend time with me. I look at her, okay, you go spend time. See, and I've learned later in life, if I lost everything, all my job and my house and my car, if I lost everything, had nothing, I could go back to work and gain it all back again. I, I, I doesn't matter. If I lost all my money, I can get, my, get on my video and get more money. Right? But time, that's how valuable time is. Once it passes, you can never get it back. You can offer somebody a billion dollars for for one minute, and it wouldn't buy you anything. That, that minute is more valuable than a million dollars. Because you can never buy that time back. I can never, no matter how much I want to, buy back the time that I missed with my children and with my wife. I can never buy it back. Well, I learned. Don't waste your time. This Christmas, give the gift of time. We have a whole time. 
to fellowship, to eat, to enjoy each other. This is this, this, uh, the theme of time. The day is coming. When the night comes, when no man will be able to work. Hmm? So in the worst of times, this baby Jesus offered the best of times. In the worst of times, God does the best of things. Sometimes times when you may feel bad, but I declare, I live in the best of times. All things go around, and I understand more now why I can turn on joy. Things, all things will be breaking loose, all hell is breaking loose, but I still live in the best of times. I tell everybody this, I had the privilege of being on my deathbed. Thank you, God. See, death puts everything into perspective. Oh, it doesn't mean you don't you avoid the situation and things hurt. Oh, they may hurt. But when you when you're doing your deathbed, you know what you say? You say, thank you, God. Because if I feel the hurt, it proves I'm alive. I'm alive. Oh, I live in the best of times. When my piano player comes. In Christ, we have been, we have been gifted with the pathway to God. We own the route to the fulfillment of our life. We live in the light with signs to eliminate our steps towards God. So as you search for your presence for other people, I pray every time you put a presence during this holiday, you'll think of what God gave, what God gave, what the baby gave, what the shepherds gave, the obedience that Mary and Joseph gave. Mm-hmm. The thing they did for us, that's the gift they gave us. So I pray we begin to give our gifts of who we are. So everyone will come and come. So we're going to have a whole another three weeks now, right? up to Christmas. should be a great time. Don't let the, the marketing and all the other stuff bring you down. Because some will have money to spend and enjoy it and play. But others won't. So remove that from your life. That's not what's important. You're important. You, just you, is all we need. 